0: oh good Monday afternoon to you Christian gokel alongside Vince Car- uh, PJ Zuko Wait a minute. Hey, excuse me PJ Zuko hold on there rocking the peach tree jersey. yeah the we, the Hawks alternate
1: these are like my favorite things because I never want to wear an actual basketball jersey like I'm done with that like no, I, right. I I think that's we'll
0: dive into that a later Opportunity. I don't know. It
1: just like no. It, we don't like, have to dive into it right now. Sure, it looks fine on some people. I, I don't like that on me. So like I jer- like t-shirt jerseys are like my favorite thing ever. Even though I only have like two of them, but when it comes to sports and like looking normal, but also being able to support your team, I feel like t-shirt jerseys are incredible. Like they're they're probably the best thing out there. But I especially loved being able to get this one. I when I went to a Hawks game a couple years ago and. Got the Peachtree version of it because I thought those uniforms were fantastic. And, of course, when are you not going to support Vince Carter? Yeah. I mean, that guy's awesome. So,
0: So, there yeah. you go. P.J. Zuko coming in strong on a Monday, rocking the Vince Carter Peachtree throwback Hawks
1: jersey. That's it, man. Respect. You got, like I said in, in the pre-show, you got to be able to show support to the Hawks in the finals. Not the Hawks actually in the finals, but while the finals are going on. So you're on, the
0: guy who goes to a a <laughs> finals like you're like Marlins man. You go to different yeah, right. you go to different yeah. games around Major League Baseball wearing a Marlins uniform, but for you as the NBA. You're gonna wear Hawks uniforms.
1: Yeah, why not? I gotta find a way to get All the right. Hawks there. That's fine. You know. Uh,
0: I'm gonna start Monday, Mad.
1: Yeah, sweet. Let's do that. I so, actually like. I'm fine with starting any day, Mad, but Monday <laughs> especially.
0: all right so i want to start this with a caveat which i know is a weak way of starting being mad but i do want to start this with a caveat the college football hall of fame has released their 2023 ballot and congratulations to everyone who made it because everyone who is on this list absolutely deserves to be in the college football hall of fame okay and we're going to get to the list but this is something i care about in terms of sports and i know overarchingly in the grand scheme of things, maybe doesn't mean a lot. But to me, it's just something that bothers me and I'll continuously bring it up. So the College Football Hall of Fame, I think, is really cool because it is a institution that is designed to honor and keep the history of our favorite sport. Mm-hmm. right? And by doing that, what do you do? You honor what makes the sport great, which is the players that play the game. Talk about the stadiums. Right? You can talk about the different traditions. You can talk about the mascots, jerseys, all that. But when you sit back and talk, you're talking about this guy making this play, this guy making that play. Right. So the players are what make the game great. And the College Football Hall of Fame, at its base, is designed to tell the story of college football by honoring those who played it and were great at it. Right. What kills me about the College Football Hall of Fame is they put unnecessary guide rails on themselves, right? You are the College Football Hall of Fame. You have no other job. Mm -hmm. Your job is to determine who you honor and treasure and who tells the story of college football. That should be done by sitting down with different experts from college football, writers, right? I'm not saying writers, right. Obviously, writers, right. Writers, (laughs) Writers, <laughs> coaches, right? Athletic directors, people who are in administration, uh, I would say broadcasters who have done it. Let them determine because they're the ones who are on the ground. Other players, right? Other College Football Hall of Fame members, right? Let them determine who gets into the College Football Hall of Fame. Instead, they've put these unnecessary parameters around who can get into the College Football Hall of Fame. And I'm not saying what they say should be included in recognizing them, but I don't think it should be a determining factor. So for a player, this you can read all of this in the article about the newest ballot. First and foremost, a player must have received first-team All-American recognition by a selector that is recognized by the NCAA and utilized to comprise its consensus All-America teams. First-team All-America recognition. You have to have that if you are going to be a college football Hall of Famer. You know who doesn't have first-team All-American recognition?
1: Tons of players. Tons of players. But who specifically? Just, just
0: a couple just off the top of the dome recently, because you could do this for a lot of players who probably deserve to be in. Yeah. And again, BJ always says what determines a Hall of Famer is, can you tell the story of your sport without them? And if the answer is no, then they're a Hall of Famer.
1: Yeah, right? I, yeah. I mean, and
0: I I think that's a good barometer. It's okay. I think that's a good barometer. But like obviously something included with that is is stats and the overarching story of it. But a couple guys that immediately come to my mind that can't get in. Yeah. Uh, locally, Nick Chubb.
1: Right. I I know I yeah. knew like two, but I didn't yeah. I didn't want to steal any yeah. of your tank. Nick
0: Chubb never first team All American. Yeah. Dude came back from completely obliterating his knee. God. Yeah. Came back to school mm-hmm. after having a really. Okay, season. I want to say okay, a really good season. Came back to school with Sonny Michelle, uh, and him alongside Sonny Michelle are the most productive duo in college football history.
1: And that's not hyperbole. Yeah, that's, that's, that's fact. That's yeah, yeah, like, stat fact.
0: Yeah. No one rushed for more yards than those two combined right. in a four year window. Right? Another guy, and I think this one might be more along the lines of what I'm saying with can you tell the story of college football without them? If I say the name Jalen Hurts.
1: Yeah. Right? Can
0: you think of anybody yeah. that encapsulates college football more than Jalen Hurts?
1: Um, Not really, man. Not Especially a, not like this generation. As feel a, like a freshman yeah.
0: comes in, leads Alabama to the national championship game, goes head-to-head with Deshaun Watson, head-to-head, and then ha- walks off the field with the lead after leading his team down against Clemson. Yeah. Leading his team down there, making one of the greatest runs in national championship history, scoring a touchdown, walks off the field before Deshaun Watson uh, throws to Hunter Renfro uh, in the corner of the end zone, and Clemson finally gets a national championship, right? Yep. But Jalen Hurts, that's him as a freshman. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: Right? And then, of course, you have him coming in his sophomore year, takes them to another national championship, all the way to halftime of a national championship, before Tua comes in in the second half uh, against Georgia, and leads them to a national championship walk-off to Devonta Smith, right? We all remember that one. And if you're like, okay, see, why should it be a Hall of Famer? He got replaced by Tua. Every single game leading up to that, it was Jalen Hurts' team, including the SEC championship, Mm -hmm. and including the first half of that game. Yeah. Right? And Georgia, with a really good defense, had done nothing but prepare for Jalen Hurts. And so it was just a great job by Nick Saban, throwing a, a different kind of quarterback at him. And Tua did not have a great game. Right. In that it was just something different enough with george's offense going to sleep in the second half of that national championship and like Jalen hurts makes that same throw yeah no it, right but again for great, sure greatest, especially that ar- yeah. arguably the greatest throw in national championship history but again it's that's the story Tua comes in next year it's to his team get to the SEC championship, guess what? Georgia's planned for Tua, shutting him down. Richard LeCount picks him off, pulls him in coverage, right, shuts him down. Who comes in and saves Alabama's season in the second
1: half? That'd be Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts. Yep.
0: Completely obliterates Georgia's defense. Look like Cam Newton out there. Yeah. Right? And then what does he do? He transfers as a grad transfer to Oklahoma. What does he do at Oklahoma? Leads them right back to the college football playoff. Right? Yeah.
1: Incredible run.
0: Never didn't go to the college football playoff. <laughs> yeah. As a quarterback.
1: Four straight. Four for four.
0: Yes. Never didn't go. Yep. But because he played in the same era as Joe Burrow. Right. And Trevor Lawrence. Guys, were getting all the first team All-American honors. Right? Because he played in the same era as Deshaun Watson.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Never going to get... First team All American honors, and because of that, the College Football Hall of Fame says, Oh, well, not even in our data. Because all we're gonna do is skim through first team All Americans and determine who's who we can select from there. Yeah. Like not even a chance. But okay, so on the flip side of that, what would the argument be? Right? The argument is you got to narrow it down somehow. Fine. Fine. I get that argument. I completely disagree with it. Yep. You're the college football hall of fame. This is your only job.
1: Exactly. You shouldn't have to narrow anything down.
0: Your job should be going player by player. Yep. Does the NFL have parameters?
1: Not that I know of. Can, can you imagine? That's kind of what I've spent this whole time thinking. Can you imagine if, if like what the NFL hall of fame would be like or anything really, the MLB, the, 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 hell, the NASCAR hall of fame, if, But, like, let's just stay with NFL just for the sake of the example. Sorry, I got carried away there for a second. But, anyway, the NFL, they were like, all right, you need to have won a Super Bowl and been a Pro Bowler, like, five times. I mean, that Hall of Fame, sure, it would be great when you talk about the players that that would get into it, but it would be really lackluster when you talk about all the players that, that would miss that Hall of Fame. Uh, so many different guys that have made such a huge impact on the sport and have had incredible careers. And just because they weren't on the right team the right year, they wouldn't have, wouldn't have won a Super Bowl, right? Just because they weren't voted by whoever to get into several different Pro Bowls, they weren't able to get in. And I think that's the other thing with college, right? You don't have that much time. You got some years, yeah, but you you don't have that much time. So like, if you're in college for three years, heck, one of those years could be redshirted. You could forego your senior year because you were so good that you go into the NFL. So maybe you have two years, and just because you weren't the best out of 100 and however many yeah. quarterbacks, and that other guy just went insane and got voted first-team All-American, you were maybe a little worse than him, sure, and your career, those, those two years was insane. But no, nah, you're not even considered to go into the Hall of Fame, College Football Hall of Fame, because those other two guys were just a little bit better those two years. And it could be wrong, right? I mean, they, 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 they could get those awards or, or get that first team spot unfairly, maybe to you, but it doesn't matter, because you're not even considered. It doesn't matter. That's ridiculous. So I completely agree, and that's that's how I like look at other sports and think of these parameters. Well, no, okay, think so how ridiculous you say, you say look Hall at other sports.
0: Uh, I'd say just go look at the Pro Football Hall of Fame. There are no parameters that a Good. player has to meet. They have, a, yeah. so they have a committee of 49 people who look it over and then whittle it down so they can then take a look at – I'm trying to figure out the exact number. So it's a 49 committee and then 17 at-large selectors who are active members of the media or persons intricately involved in professional football, including one representative of the Pro Football Writers of America. 17 people sit down and discuss who is going to be put in. And the only the only parameters is you have to be retired for five years. Yeah. That's it.
1: I think something like that, like you worry about the guidelines, whatever. Yeah. But But those 49 people kind of like... Police their structure themselves. You know what I mean? Like, none of them are going to come to the argument table or the vote table and say five years from now, hey, maybe we should put in Marcus Mariota. He's, he was a pretty good guy. Yeah. He had a good year or two. Well, I mean, let's put him in the of place. I don't know, if
0: he's, I don't know if he's a great example because, you know, All American Heisman Trophy winner.
1: No, I, I know. We're talking yeah. about NFL, though. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Okay, now I'm yeah, confused. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, they, they bring uh, him I in. Don't there. Know. Yeah, his, I don't N- know. his I don't NFL. Marcus Mariota
0: over your Hall of Famer.
1: I agree. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying they, they would oh. police. They, they police themselves. They don't have they don't need any parameters because they're not going to walk in yeah. and say someone outlandish like Marcus Mario. Like
0: we, we can't even or, or they're like, not
1: going to argue that or we
0: can't even consider him.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Why? It's like, well, wow, because, It'd
0: be a good discussion, but we can't because of the yeah, parameters. because he's
1: nowhere near what we, what we think it should be. We don't need parameters to tell us that he shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame.
0: Okay. I have another thing <laughs> that we can get mad at here. Uh, also, coaches. Mark Richt is included, and congratulations to Coach Richt on this. Again, we're going to dive into the full list here in a little bit. But a coach becomes eligible three full seasons after retirement or immediately following retirement, provided he is at least 70 years old. The coach must have been a head football coach for a minimum of 10 years. So that's already one strike against this. Guys like Irk Russell can't be in the College Football Hall of Fame. Yeah. Uh, minimum of 10 years, coached at least 100 games with a 600 winning percentage.
1: Okay. So, you're like, right. okay,
0: what great coach, Christian? If he's such a great coach, why doesn't he have at least a 600 winning percentage? I feel like that's low enough. Again, don't love parameters anyway, but if you're going to put him in like this, mm, Howard Schnellenberger yeah. is not eligible to be in the College Football Hall of Fame. because The under guy, the, what you know of, of Miami football, the Ray Lewis's, Ed Reed's, uh, Michael Irvin's, all of those guys, Howard Schnellenberger started that. Yeah. Also started multiple other programs. Revived the Louisville football program mm-hmm. that just produced a modern day NFL MVP quarterback. Yep. Right? Revived that program. Started multiple other programs. And because he was continually building programs, you're going to go through rough patches. And that's going to hurt the overall record. And so at the end of it, he was 141, 133, and three and has a 514 winning percentage. That's crazy. I just think it's so lame, and I'm going to keep pounding the table for this. Maybe one day the College Football Hall of Fame will listen. I don't know. I know I'm not the only one who is talking about this. Yeah. And these are just the big examples uh off the top of the mind that I always talk about, but I'm sure there are multiple other examples of people or of players and coaches not being considered. I just think it's lame if you're supposed to be the Bastion of knowledge and history of your sport, you tie yourself to these lame parameters.
1: Of course. Just, I mean, think about it. Like, I think the only other thing that really needs to be said is, like, when you talk about, going back to players, when you talk about first-team All-Americans, you're cutting out about 90%, 95% of the college football player base when you do that.
0: i would say more than that.
1: Just just that, what, yeah. Like, I don't have the numbers I think, in front think, of me, but, like, you just...
0: If you say there's 100 players... So just look at one position, right? First-team yeah. All-American quarterback, that's mm-hmm. one out of 130, and potentially a lot more than that because yeah. not every team has the same starting quarterback yeah. throughout the year. So one out of 130. So extrapolate that four out of whatever 130 is times four over a four-year period. Yeah, That's what you're taking, less than 1%. <laughs> it's,
1: it's less crazy. than 1%. It's ridiculous. Yep.
0: Have a chance. And just because of your parameters, I I think it's lame. But that being said, there are some amazing careers that are being honored by the college football hall of fame and like i said i'm not taking a shot at the people that are being selected it is not their fault uh, that these parameters exist and a lot of these guys it was just it was kind of a trip down memory lane and made me smile a lot of the names that came up so we're going to come back talk about the list next this is second down on ESPN radio we're presented to you by the uniform source we'll be right back after this Second down on ESPN Radio is presented to you by the Uniform Source. Christian GoKel alongside PJ Zuko. Continuing our conversation there from the last segment, the 2023 College Football Playoff ballot has been released, and some of the candidates, PJ, just bring a smile to my face. I'm gonna, I'm curious. I'm just gonna read names off and see if they they make you smile. Looking forward to it. some of the names are just wonderful. You ready? Sure. Here we go. Just trying to make PJ Zuko and the people in their cars smile on a Monday afternoon. All right, we'll start at the top. Flozell Adams. Michigan State offensive tackle, 1997, first team All American. Yeah. Flozell Adams. I like the name. What about Eric Berry?
1: Okay. Yeah, there we go. Does that bring a smile to your face, Mr. Zuko? Of course it does. Eric Berry,
0: of course, dominating. The SEC two-time unanimous first-team All-American, 2008 and 2009. Won the Thorpe Award in 2009. Was the 2008 SEC Defensive Player of the Year. And I will just always remember him and Tim Tebow colliding. Yeah. It was like two Avengers hitting each other. (laughs) Yeah. It just... Yeah. It'll make your childhood right there. Michael Bishop, Kansas State quarterback. Okay. How about Justin Blackman? Yeah. PJ hasn't smiled yet.
1: No, yeah. No, that's I'm smiling right no, now. No, no,
0: you have not smiled yet. I haven't had the one where you're like, ho, oh, oh, ho. Oh. No,
1: I mean like that. That was a really good one too because it was he before or after Des Bryant? Uh, he was one Oklahoma? after. He was one after. It, it yeah. was. It was just like it was someone. It was like someone took. Yeah, Dez Bryant just going up. I th- I believe, uh, catching balls for Zach Robinson there at Oklahoma State.
0: Who was the 87 year old quarterback they had? Uh, Brandon Whedon. Brandon Whedon. And,
1: uh, yeah, if you don't, I was like. I was very interested in those teams. I was always kind of like rooting for them to to, you know, yeah. break the cusp, but they never really seemed to seem to do that. But it's like someone took Des Bryant and like put him in a clone machine, just like the way he played, and then Justin Blackman came out. it was It was great to see. It was fun to watch there for a little bit. All
0: right we got Reggie Bush. okay. Of back course. on. back yeah. on. This is not his first time on this selection. Back on uh, the ballot there. Rocky Kalmus, Oklahoma linebacker, Greg Carr, an Auburn linebacker from the eighties, uh, Mike Carrier, USC defensive back. I'm just gonna let you read this next one here, PJ. I don't is it no no. Hold I'm on. I'm gonna I'm gonna let you read this next one. Is
1: it Micah Parsons? I don't. Oh yeah, how about that? Good for him.
0: Dude, they don't they can't no, read it? No, it's
1: fine. I, they should know by my reaction. No, Kajana Carter, running back, Penn any, State.
0: Any any positive memories of that?
1: Uh, well, I I'm think, not gonna lie. I think
0: when he was an all American, you were
1: born. That's the thing. Okay. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie. I was a little young, but I, I have certainly heard his story many a times, watched plenty of highlights and just obviously he was an incredible running back for Penn state. What well, was one of the leading guys, I think on that 90, 1994 team, right? Yeah. Like, um, where they went undefeated and whatnot. And of course, always that the what, one that
0: Nebraska stole.
1: Yes, no, kay. exactly. Oh, Sadly, what comes to mind also with him is just going to the NFL, having very high expectations, and then huge injury ends up kind of derailing his career. But I love to see the recognition for his college career, and that, that's, that's really cool. That's awesome.
0: Actually, not the only Penn State running back on there, DJ Dozier. Really? 1986 okay. consensus first-team All-American on there as well. Dallas yeah. Clark.
1: Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. there's our first smile. Dallas there's Clark, There's our first man. smile. PJ. What a, what a classic. Dallas
0: Clark just bringing joy. Iowa tight end, 2002, first team All-American, won the Mackey Award as well. Tim Couch. Yeah, all right. Kentucky okay. quarterback. Perspective. 1998, SEC Player of the Year. Yeah. Uh, also led the Kentucky Wildcats to their first win over Alabama in 75 years.
1: Wow. That's just, can you imagine? Yeah.
0: Brad Culpepper, uh, Florida defensive tackle. Ken Dorsey. Former oh, yeah. Miami quarterback. yeah, Oh, yeah. Two-time him. Big East co-offensive player of the year. Right. How about old Warwick Dunn?
1: Oh, man, Warwick Dunn.
0: Might just be the best person ever.
1: Maybe, but he's also a monster. Oh, on the he field. was a like, monster. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Warwick Dunn, man. Just go watch. Go watch old tapes of freaking Warwick Dunn and Mike Allstott running for I know that's. That's yeah. NFL again, yeah. but like, that what just the calamity they caused. I love Dunn. for Dunn. But also, think of all
0: the great Florida State running backs there have been. Work Dunn's still the only one in Florida State history to gain more than a thousand yards in three straight seasons. Monster. Dwight Freeney, Syracuse. Wow, yeah. Wow, yeah. Okay. We, got a, we got a wow. Good for him. Uh, from PJ. How about Toby Gerhardt?
1: Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. So many people forget about Toby Gerhardt.
0: Y'all want to talk about Christian McCaffrey? Yeah, I want to talk about Toby
1: because he's like, he's like straight out of the like 1960s to 19 like 80 college football running back man, and he was just plopped in the 2000s until it were late 2000s, early 2010s, and was put in the Stanford machine at running back, and the production he made. I mean, it was great. It yeah. was great. Of course, again, kind of flopped in the NFL, but his time in college was maybe uh, fun to watch, man.
0: Maybe the most handsome man in, in football history.
1: Toby Gerhard? No, no, no. Oh, I the was better. I, I don't remember his face. I don't know. Tony Gonzalez. Yeah, probably. I mean, That's, that dude. Wait, him or Jason Taylor? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Not? I'm not going to go there. But
0: Why? Go there.
1: Jason Taylor, the first thing I think, he he might be a good-looking dude, but, like, first thing I think of is just, like, that he's so bald.
0: Uh, I mean, do you want me to start listing handsome bald men?
1: No, and it's not that. It's not even that. It's just, like, he has a really big head, too. Wow. So, it's, like, wow. when you throw in that combination, it's kind of, like, I. Th- well, again, it's, like, Good-looking dude, yeah, was a monster on the field. Certainly don't want him to make him mad, and hopefully he never hears this. But there's some guys that, like, they're bald, and they have a really big head, and since they're bald, it, like, points to the fact that they have a really big head. All right. uh, Sorry.
0: Sorry. We got Garrison (laughs) Hurst, uh, also makes the list here, Uh, former University of Georgia running back, 1992, first-team All-American, won the Doak Walker Award, uh, finished third in the Heisman Trophy voting as well, and was the 1992 SEC player (laughs) Of the year, and when he finished his career at Georgia, only trailed Herschel Walker for total yards. All right, so I'm gonna start flying through some of these. I want to see how many smiles I can get. Okay. No Josh problem. Heupel, Oklahoma quarterback. Of course, Tennessee's head coach. Yeah. I mean, Craig Hayward, Pittsburgh running back. Steve Hutchinson, Michigan offensive lineman. Yeah. Brady James, another one of those LSU amazing linebackers. Oh, okay. Lamichael James.
1: Yes. Yes. Okay, yes. We got yeah, a yes there we from go. PJ.
0: Sebastian Janikowski. Of course. Derek Johnson. LeVon Kirkland. Luke Keekley
1: Yeah, monster. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, Luke Antonio
0: Langham. James Laurinaitis.
1: I don't know. Yeah, no. you love James Laurinaitis. I don't Laurinaitis. like that guy
0: at all. Ryan Leaf. Ryan Leaf. John Lee. We all know John Lee, former UCLA place kicker. Of uh, course. Of course He's right do. up there with the next guy, Ray Lewis. He's <laughs> right up there. That's Uh, that's gold, How about this next one? Marshawn Lynch. Yeah, dude. This next one's a throwback for SEC fans. Make a lot of people smile. Jeremy Macklin. Jeremy Macklin. Mack attack. Yeah. Yeah. We love to see it. Bryant
1: McKinney. Jeremy Macklin and uh, Chase Daniel out there.
0: Bryant McKinney maybe up there for like... I know it's not... I know there's five players on the offensive line, but like Bryant McKinney up there on the Mount Rushmore of college football offensive linemen, in my opinion. Keith Miller... Yeah, that Heath Miller PJ. Yeah. Yeah,
1: no, yeah. No, that's great. Where'd he go Ma-
0: to college? Virginia. Okay. Tight end.
1: I just, of course, known from Pittsburgh with Heath.
0: Herman Moore. Okay. Next one make Georgia fans flinch. Kellen Moore. Oh, no. Haloti Nada. Yeah. Julius Peppers. This is, okay, gracious. guaranteed to make PJ Zuko smile. Paul Polosny. Really? Oh, yeah. Are you serious? Yeah. Let's go. Yes, sir.
1: Finally. Antoine Randall L. Recognition he deserves. Antoine Randall L. How yes, about sir? that?
0: Eric Ritt. Right. Of the show. Simeon Rice. Ron Rivera. Wow. Oh, Chris yeah. Samuels, Alabama offensive lineman there. Good for awesome. him. Dewey awesome. Selman, Alex Smith, Utah Great. Wow. Doing it with yeah. Urban Meyer out there. Michael Stonebreaker, uh, Notre Dame uh linebacker there. And then Michael one
1: Stonebreaker. How about what these a last name. few? How
0: about these last few here? One Timothy Tebow. Of course. Yes, sir. Yeah, great. College Football Hall of Famer. Peter Warwick, P-Dub.
1: P-Dub. There you go. Florida State,
0: great. Eric Weddle. Yes. Yeah. Probably
1: the best beard in football. And then a
0: guy that Georgia Southern head coach Clay Helton on this very show said was the most talented high school football player he had ever seen. Hmm. D'Angelo Williams, running back yeah. Memphis.
1: Part of that. Now, uh, obviously, again, but part of that. Thunder and Lightning running back squad there for the Carolina Panthers.
0: Now, there are uh, a few head coaches here on the list as well. Uh, Larry Blakeney from Troy from 1991 to 2014. Uh, Jim Carlin, West Virginia, 1966 to 1969. Then with Texas Tech uh, in South Carolina. Pete Cawthorn of Texas Tech. Fame back, of course, in 1930 through 1940. We all remember those days. Uh, Larry Coker. Everybody remembers his time at Miami, but also uh, was a big part of UTSA uh, and their revival there. Uh, Ralph Friedgen at Maryland. And then a couple of names that went head-to-head on the old football field. Maryland. Paul Johnson. Yeah. And Mark Richt.
1: Good for them. Paul Johnson. Just... I think
0: I think both of them sure fire college football Hall of Famers.
1: Yeah, I'm not, yeah I'm not here to argue with them yeah. at all. I just, you know, they're obviously part of some really... Huge matchups between Georgia and Georgia Tech, and I always love that Paul Johnson was just listen. I'm gonna run the triple option, and I don't care who criticizes. What it.
0: percentage of Georgia Tech fans right now do you think would take him back over in what they a have? heartbeat? Like what percentage?
1: At least
0: because there is that there is that stodgy percentage that's like Mm-mm,
1: yeah. I'm not Johnson. gonna go like super crazy like 90 or whatever, but I'll go like 70 75. 75 percent would because at take least him back. like
0: at least Paul Johnson's teams when they were bad had some fight in them.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's there's, and you're like and that. When the with teams coaches didn't, too. Paul Johnson sure did. You're like that with coaches too, where it's just like, no matter where they went after they did what they did with your school, you still think if they came yeah. back to you, they could go back and do the exact same but, thing. But like for instance, like how, I know it's just uh, an example for me personally. Like how many people even with everything that Bill O'Brien has done in the past 10 years or whatever, would be like, man, we need him back at Penn State. As long as he gets back at Penn State, he'll just be right back to winning football games. I don't know if that's how that works, but that's how our minds work, you know?
0: Uh, We would be, I guess, missing the point of the College Football Hall of Fame if we didn't mention the beginning of Paul Johnson's career as a head coach at Georgia Southern from 1997 to 2001. Took the Eagles, or won with the Eagles, two national championships and five SOCON titles. And during that time only lost 10 games.
1: Yeah. Crazy
0: with them boys there in Statesboro. So just a, an awesome list. I know we started on a negative note, but I'm always going to bring that up whenever this time of the year rolls around, but congratulations to everyone who did make the list. I, like I said, I don't know that I mentioned a name who doesn't deserve to be in there.
1: Oh, not at all. But I mean, that that's, that's the point, right? Is, yeah. uh, that all of those guys 150% deserve to be in the College Football Hall of Fame, but the College Football Hall of Fame committee makes sure that you can't argue with it because they eliminate everybody else. I'm going to
0: argue, and I'm going to continue to argue, and it might get annoying, but here we are. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back with more. This is Second Down on ESPN Radio. Second Down on ESPN Radio presented to you by the uniform source. Christian Gokelle alongside PJ Zuko. Uh, Some news coming out today in the NFL. A 24th accuser has come forward against Cleveland Browns quarterback Deshaun Watson. Uh, This one, like the one last week, saying that they were inspired by an HBO, I guess, in-depth look at some of these victims of Deshaun Watson's alleged crimes. And now, as I mentioned, a 24th accuser has come forward against Deshaun Watson. Of course, Deshaun Watson and his legal team denying any wrongdoing. But, PJ, as I look at this, uh, I want to come at it from a couple different ways here. Number one, I have had people, when I've had this conversation before, say, okay, what about guys like, if he did do it, what about guys like Tyreek Hill and Kareem Hunt? And I think that's a fair question to ask, right? Domestic violence. I think in Tyreek Hill's situation, uh, the woman involved was pregnant mm-hmm. with a child yeah. at that time. And it's a fair point. Like, how can you say, okay, look, Miami made a great move by going out and getting Tyreek Hill. He's one of the best wide receivers in the league. How can you say that and in the same breath, say maybe Deshaun Watson doesn't deserve to be playing in the National Football League right now. How are they different? I One, I don't know that we should be qualifying and ranking these things. Yeah. But if you want to do it, if you want to, I think the numbers 24 allegedly versus the one instance in which both of those players then paid for it in terms of suspension and loss of wages inside. And then I don't know what happened to them off the field legally as what they had to do. But Deshaun Watson right now is fighting this and so as I'm looking at it, number one, I know the Atlanta Falcons went after him. And so as a Falcons fan, you're going to have to do with that. What not saying you, but just in general, as a Falcons fan, you're going to have to do with that. What you will like, mm-hmm. how much can you accept from your team before you go? Huh? Yeah. Like Mike Ryan, executive producer, uh, for the Dan Lebatar show has said like publicly, he's stepping away from his Browns fanhood. I know it sounds silly to say, but like when you care about something that much, mm-hmm it means something to you and it would take obviously a lot for you to step away. Yeah. Like you can critique, you can criticize your franchise, but you say like, nah, that's it. Like I'm walking away. I think says a lot. And so as a Falcons fan, you have to look at this and say, the Falcons did their market research. They were obviously going to offer him a lot of money, not $230 million guaranteed, and a 2022 first round pick, 2023 first and third round pick, and a 2024 first round pick. Obviously, weren't giving that up for him, or they would have gotten him. Yeah, but they were willing to break the bank to go after Deshaun Watson. And you don't make 230 million dollar investments without doing your market research and doing your investigative research into how much of this is true, mm-hmm. right? And so, if the Falcons, if this. These accusations prove to be true, and whether he settles them in court or a grand jury fails to indict him again or whatever happens with this, if any of this proves to be true, you are saying we valued having a top NFL quarterback over the reports that he had sexually assaulted women. Yeah. Yeah. And it sucks. And I know this is... Small potatoes compared to the actual situation. But this is the reality of being a fan of a sports team in 2022 is nothing is secret anymore. Everything is connected. Mm-hmm. You right. There's nothing. No, yeah, you, you're yeah. not gonna sweep things under the rug. There's no suspension of disbelief, I guess. Yeah. Right. Right. Where you have there have been players in the past who have done stuff like this, but just because of the way the world worked, you were able to just kind of push that to the side and enjoy watching your football on Sundays. Mm-hmm. I don't know that that's reality anymore. And so the fact that the Falcons in that front office were willing to go after this guy that hard. And if you're the Cleveland Browns, what are you feeling right now? Because I know there's the big sigh of relief once around the NFL once that grand jury didn't indict him for the 22, I believe, that had come out. It was 23, but one didn't want to join the lawsuit for fear of her, I guess, persona and name being put out into the public. Right? So 22 women signed onto that lawsuit that the grand jury then didn't decide to bring charges on. But this is still an ongoing civil suit. Mm-hmm. right? And so now 23 and 24 have come on as well. If you're the Cleveland Browns and you just invested $230 million fully guaranteed into this, all those draft picks, this is a wild situation.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like Just imagine
0: the uncertainty around that franchise right now.
1: Yeah, I can't. And um, to to basically, you know, agree with what you're saying is, you know, yeah. You to think if, if you're a Falcons fan or any anyone that really considered bringing him in, like uh, this was almost our team. Th- this was almost our team going through this exact same thing. So, like you said, how much does that affect your fandom? I know a lot of people uh, try to act like, well, it's just I'm a fan of an NFL team. It doesn't really mean that much. But like. Let's be real. Like, we're we're not setting aside two and a half, three, three and a half hours of our week for a lot of things. But as fans, we do that for our football team. We set aside more so we can talk about it and and argue about it and whatever. Think about fans around this
0: area. I know in Savannah, maybe not the biggest deal, but for people listening, like in Brunswick and Waycross, that's Jacksonville NFL territory. At least some weeks it is. Some weeks it's not. People south of, I guess, Richmond Hill know the struggle. The way the NFL schedules everything out, but this, you have to pay money to watch your team on TV. Yeah. Like right. outside of just your regular cable bill, you have to pay money for Sunday ticket if you're going to watch the Falcons and support them. Mm-hmm. Because technically, geographically, you're closer to Jacksonville. And so the NFL makes that your game yeah. on Sundays, right? You come out of pocket to watch these games. I think a lot of Falcons fans, and I, because I'm one of them, is taking a step back and saying, if this is true, and Terry Fontenot and Arthur Smith and Arthur Blank were just willing to look past it and hope that the legal system kind of says, no, it's not that bad. Right. Right? Like, he'll, he can just kind of settle out of court and, like, great, we have a top-ten quarterback now. If that's the limit and of, of our depth of how much we care, I, I don't know if that's a franchise for me. Yeah. And, again, we're never going to know the full story. Maybe they pulled out of the offer because all indications were Deshaun Watson wanted to be in Atlanta, wanted to come home. True. And maybe they found something out and they pulled the offer. I don't know. But if it's, if the fact is that they were willing to overlook this stuff just to get a quarterback, makes me question a lot of loyalties.
1: Yeah. I'd have to agree. And if that's, that's the problem with these possibilities as well. And, and again, if it's, if it's proven to be true about, these 22, now 24 cases, is it's always the possibility with someone like that, or if they're doing those things, that it wasn't just 22, right? That it wasn't just 24. It might have been 30 or 35 or more. Correct. Because people that have these habits keep keep doing the same things. So if it is true and you did see that, then exactly. Why... Why didn't you, or why did you pursue these things? And uh, maybe, maybe they did finally just say, "All right, what what are we really doing here?" And then take a step back and
0: you hope take that's their the name case. Out of the running, of course. You that's, hope that's the case. You hope exactly. that's the case. But to me, it feels more like the Falcons potentially just dodged right. a catastrophic bullet. Uh, just to quickly give you the recap here: uh, 24 civil lawsuit was filed in the Cleveland or against Cleveland Browns quarterback Deshaun Watson on Monday, alleging a graphic encounter during a massage in August of 2020. So now 24 civil lawsuits against Cleveland Browns quarterback Deshaun Watson. We still don't know what the NFL is going to do in terms of suspension. I wonder how much they're letting this play out versus doing their own research because they have plenty of money to spend on that. So we're going to see what happens to Deshaun Watson. But again, Falcons, I think, dodged a bullet by not getting him. But at the same breath, did they dodge it or did the bullet just miss him? Mm Mm-hmm. We'll we'll have to wait and see. We got more to come here on Second Down. We'll come back and get you ready for three and out next. Three and out coming up next right here on ESPN Radio. The guy's going to be joined by Fred Owens. We'll talk a little Braves baseball as your Atlanta Braves currently on their longest win streak of the season. Okay. PJ Zuko, the Braves have won five in a row. Let's do this. Avoided the sweep against the Diamondbacks. And then ripped off over the weekend four games in a row against the Colorado Rockies offense waking up out there in Denver. Uh, Also headed out to take on the Oakland Athletics. 720 first pitch start for the Braves tonight. But the damn Dodgers couldn't do their job. And just beat up on the Mets for us. So Braves, believe, still what, eight and a half back right now?
1: It's okay. Let's let's keep it up again. You don't need to keep the win streak up, but hey, seven out of eight? Yeah. Eight out of ten? It's perfectly fine.
0: Perfectly fine, just like three and out. Coming up next.